Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Well, Acts chapter 28, I've got a message this morning that I think is, um, is applicable to everybody, everyone, uh, but I think that it fits in um, especially well with today being Veterans Day. And uh, so we're going to turn to Acts chapter 28. We're going to uh, pick back up where we left off as Paul is now, um, he is on the, the island of Malta. You remember he was shipwrecked there. <clears throat> so he's on the island of Malta. And uh, he is about to begin his final leg, his final, the home stretch uh, to um, Rome. So in Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse number 11, so after three months, so they wintered there in Malta, okay? So after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. And putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and we arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petolia. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. Verse 15, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of um, Appius and three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome... Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We pray that you might use it today to speak to us and encourage us, Lord, in our individual journeys, wherever we're at, God, whatever we're going through. Remind us, God, this morning of your purpose and remind us of your promise in our lives. God, anoint me to preach effectively and empower us all to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers of the words. God, I pray especially for anyone who is here that is not following Jesus Christ. God, I believe that you have granted them today. They have this opportunity to hear the gospel and to believe. So I pray that God, you would reveal yourself to them in the fullness of your love and in the fullness of your mercy, show them the grace, God, that can save them from their lost condition and secure for them a hope in eternal life. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, the, the understated way in, in which Paul arrives in Rome is in sharp contrast to all of the intrigue and all of the drama that has accompanied Paul uh, to Rome up to this point. So we've been reading over the last several chapters about all of the difficulty and all of the adversity and everything that has happened up to this point that is bringing Paul to Rome on his journey to Rome. And now we reach this final segment of his journey and it's all, almost... It's almost kind of anticlimactic, isn't it, when he, when he arrives in Rome. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell us to get, when we were going somewhere, sometimes my mom would tell us, uh, get in the car, we're getting ready to go somewhere. And usually we would ask, like all kids, uh, the kids never change, we would always ask, where are we going, how far, 
How far is it? How many your kids ask you that? And you say, get in the car, we're getting ready to go. How far do we have to go? How far are we going? So we, we would ask the same thing. How far do we have to go? And I remember sometimes my mom would say, maybe this is a southern thing, I don't know. Sometimes my mom would say, oh, it's just a, a hop, a skip, and a jump away. <laughs> Any of your moms ever say that? I never understood exactly what that meant. Um, but sometimes she would say, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. I, I knew better than to ask my mom, then why do we have to get in the car? If it's just a, <laughs> why don't we just hop, skip, and jump, and we're there? And I knew better that that would, that would earn me a, uh, some severe discipline. I'll just put it that way. But I learned, uh, as a small child, I learned that a hop, skip, and a jump was the adult way to tell a small child that the trip was, it was long enough, but it was, it was easily made. So it was long enough, but it, was, it wasn't a difficult trip. It wasn't a hard trip. Well, the final leg of Paul's arduous journey to Rome was, it turns out, it was a hop, a skip, and a jump. They hopped from the tiny island of Malta where they had landed, remember, closer to Rome than they would have been if they had arrived where they thought they were going to go. So they hopped from uh, the tiny island of Malta to Syracuse, which is a port on the large island of Sicily. Remember, Sicily is the ball that Italy, the boot of Italy, is kicking. So it's, they just hopped over to the port of Syracuse, and there, from there they skipped from there to Regium, uh, which is a port that is actually located on the tip of the boot of the mainland of Italy. And they waited there, the Bible says they waited there for just one day. Presumably they were waiting for favorable winds because they had to they had to have a favorable wind to pass through the narrow strait between Sicily and Italy. So they just waited one day, only had to wait one day, and they passed through there and they jumped then to Petoli. And from there, from Petoli, they made their way inland, just a short distance inland to the city of Rome. Um, they made their way by land by what is famously called now the Appian Way. And as I said, Paul's arrival in Rome is is understated. Uh, not, much, not much to it. Luke says simply, and so we came to Rome. And so we arrived at Rome, the destination uh, that he had been moving toward all of this time. There was not much fanfare. The Bible says that he is greeted by some disciples, by some brothers that have come down to see him uh, from Rome. They've, they've heard about Paul. They know that he's coming to Rome. They've received word that he's on his way. And so they leave Rome. They come down and meet him um, uh, on the outskirts, if you will, of Rome. And I'll say more about those guys in just a moment. But there's, the point now is that there's no celebration really to speak of when Paul finally uh, arrives at his destination. And I think, here's what I think this morning. I think that it's written that way to emphasize that the destination was never in doubt because God was always in control. The destination was never in doubt. He, they knew he was going to arrive in Rome because God was in control. You see, we celebrate things that we have accomplished, things that we have done, things that we might not would have succeeded in doing. And so we, we celebrate those things. But Paul, didn't, but Paul didn't celebrate because Paul didn't achieve this success. 
This, this really wasn't Paul's success anyway. One thing has been very clear from the very beginning, and that is that Rome was God's idea for Paul. Rome was God's plan for, for Paul, and therefore God was responsible for getting Paul to Rome. Paul didn't do it himself. God accomplished it because it was God's plan. And the dangers that Paul had endured would seem to suggest that there was cause for celebration when he finally does arrive in Rome. However, none of the dangers and none of the difficulties, listen, none of them ever put the final destination in doubt because Paul was going to reach Rome because God was committed to that purpose uh, for the apostle Paul. God had said to Paul, you remember this, God had said to Paul, you must stand before Caesar and God will do what God says. Can you say amen? God will do what God says. He is faithful to finish what he has started. And so Paul is not surprised that he finally reached Rome. Paul's not shocked. He doesn't say, oh, well, I've I made it. Let's throw a party. I finally, Paul's not surprised that he finally reached Rome. Moreover, he understood that he couldn't, he couldn't take credit for arriving in Rome. God had said, here's what God had said to Paul. God had said, we're going to Rome. And Paul said, okay, God, how far is that? How are we going to get there? And God said, what? Just a hop, skip, and a jump. Now hop in and buckle up because I'm going to take you there. Right? God got him to Rome. God got him where he decided that he was going to take him. And listen, when God said that, that was good enough for Paul. Paul simply trusted in his heavenly father. And, and he was convinced that God was going to get him through every danger, every difficulty, any hindrances, every obstacle. God would get him through all of those things and God would bring him safely to his destination. Isn't he a good, good father? Amen. He is a good God. He, listen, can I tell you this morning, God will do you no harm and he will guarantee your success if you will serve his son, Jesus Christ. If you'll commit your life to him, if you'll commit yourself to serving him and doing what he has called you to do, then God says, listen, I'll take care of it. All you have to do is buckle in, and I'm going to get you there because I'm going to do what I have promised to do in your life. Amen? So he's a good God. He will guarantee your success if you will decide that you will follow and you will serve Jesus Christ. But as I said, there's, there's no party when Paul arrives in Rome, but he is greeted by the brothers. He is greeted by those disciples that come down to meet him. And the Bible says they actually come down in order to meet him and then to accompany him into Rome. And the Bible says that Paul thanked God and he took courage when he saw them. When he, when he saw them arrive, he thanked God and he took courage. Aren't you thankful for the body of Christ? Paul was thankful for the body of Christ. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. In the Psalms, David said this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house 
of the Lord. I hope that you're glad every Sunday morning when you have a chance to go to the house of the Lord. I hope that you are glad when you see God's people and you have the opportunity to fellowship with one another. I hope that you're well I hope that you're glad to see me, but I hope that you're I hope that you're glad to see your other brothers and sisters. Paul was glad. He thanked God when he saw the brothers. And he, was, he took courage from them. You know, technology has made it possible now for you to sit at home or, well, virtually anywhere and have church. You know, you can, you can download and you can listen to your favorite praise and worship. You can uh, stream a sermon that you want to hear and you can even give uh, online. And soon, listen, some of the renovations that we've made is making that possible for us to be able to stream our services so that if you're not able to be here, you can still join us in worship. You can give online. You can give through your app. We're, so those things are good and those things are important. Um, but listen, those technologies, as helpful as they are, uh, they, will never, they will never replace the fellowship and the encouragement that you receive by seeing and by being with your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It'll, it'll never replace those things. I mean, they're helpful if you can't be in church, or, but they'll never replace what we receive by being with one another. Listen, we all need one another, amen? We all need one another. We need to gather together as the body of Christ. That's why God's word tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together because there is, there is a benefit that is available to us only in the unique presence of God that we experience when we are gathered together as believers. How many knows there's something special about being with your brothers and sisters in Christ? God can do in in that kind of setting, what he cannot do in other kinds of settings. It's, impo it's important for us. And so the apostle Paul was thankful for, and he was encouraged by the fellowship that he had with the brothers that had come to join him from Rome. But there's another implication here that is just as important for us. And it's this. Paul was not the first one to take the gospel to Rome. Paul was not the first one to preach in Rome. Uh, the fact that there were already brothers, believers, brothers and sisters in Rome demonstrates that others had arrived in Rome before Paul. Others had preached the gospel in Rome uh, before Paul. They had already begun the work of evangelism. They had already established a church. They had already been doing the work of discipleship. And in fact, that was, that was perhaps why Paul had never been to Rome up to this point. In fact, in his letter to the Romans, when he wrote uh, to the Roman church, he said that he had desired, he said, I have a desire to visit you, but he said, but I've, I've not had the opportunity. I've been stopped or I've been hindered every time that I want to come to you. He acknowledged that he had been prevented from go going to Rome up to this, uh, up to this point. In fact, he may have chosen not to go to Rome because uh, Paul had a preference that he would uh, preach only in those places that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He says that later to the Romans in the same letter. He had a preference that he would go where the gospel had not already been preached. Uh, but however, now he is compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Rome, and he arrives in Rome, and he discovers with thanksgiving that the gospel has been preached by others and that it has begun to bear fruits. There are other believers, brothers and sisters in Rome. Now listen, Paul was a great apostle. He was chosen by God to appear before the most powerful man on earth in that day, Caesar. He said, you must appear before Caesar and bear witness about me. So he was an important man chosen by God to appear before the most powerful man on earth in that day in time. But listen, Paul was just one man. God had used others before him to preach the gospel in Rome. God, God would use others after Paul to preach the gospel in Rome. And this is a great reminder to us that we are, listen, we are not in competition with others who are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are not in competition. In fact, we're not in competition. We're in, we are in cooperation with others that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not in competition with Gospel Tabernacle. We're not in competition with Central Baptist or First Presbyterian. Listen, we're not in competition with any other church in our city. How many knows we are all following the same Jesus and we're serving the same God? Can you say amen? So Paul was not in competition with anybody else. We are, we are all a part of a great company of men and women, past, present, and future, whom God has chosen to build his kingdom. Here at Glad Tidings, listen, others, others have come before us, amen, and have been faithful and have preached the gospel and have built the kingdom and we say, thank God for those that have come before us. Can you say amen? amen? And others will come after us. Others will follow us. And they will preach the gospel. And they will build the kingdom. And they will be faithful to do what God has called them to do. I believe some of those that are going to come after us are already with us. Amen? We're raising up a generation to take our place. Here's... Here's our goal. Here's our aim. Our aim is to be faithful right here, right now, with the ministry that we have received. Amen? Because others have come before us. Others are around us that are preaching the gospel. Others are going to come after us. I want to be faithful right here, right now, to do what God has called us to do. Are you with me this morning? So Paul was not in competition with, with anyone else. In fact, the Bible says that he took courage when he saw the brothers from Rome who had come to greet him. I can only, listen, I can only imagine the weight of responsibility that Paul felt for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, was, he, had, a, he had a huge responsibility on his shoulders as the apostle of, of faith, an apostle to the Gentiles. Um, Periodically, Paul mentions that in his letters when he talks about, you know, I've been shipwrecked and I've done this and this has happened to me. And he says, and besides all that, daily I bear the burden, the responsibility of all the churches of God. 
How many knows that's a heavy load for him to bear? There's a heavy weight upon his, upon his shoulders. So it was a great encouragement to Paul to know that he was not alone. That it did not all depend on him. That God had put others there to help him and to encourage him. And that others were doing the work of ministry as well. Thank God for the body of Christ. Thank God for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Besides the fellow believers that accompanied him in Rome, though, Paul had another constant companion. Did you notice that in the passage? The Bible says that he was allowed when he came to Rome. So it's a little bit confusing, perhaps, but it says when he comes to Rome, he actually is coming into the outskirts, to the, we might say, the metropolitan area of Rome. And although he's not quite yet in the city limits, the inner city of Rome, he's still in Rome. So the Bible says that when he comes to Rome, he's allowed to actually stay just outside of the city, outside of that inner, the city limits, if you will, in the suburbs, in the outskirts uh, of the city. The Bible says that he's allowed to stay just outside of the city by himself, but with a soldier who guarded him. Which means that Paul was, think about this this morning, Paul was constantly in the presence of a Roman soldier. Constantly in the presence of a, of a Roman soldier. The centurion that had been in charge of Paul, here's how this would have worked. The centurion that had been in charge of Paul would have taken Paul into Rome and he would have presented him to the commanding officer at uh, the praetorium where Caesar held court. And so Paul would have been transferred into his custody to, in order to await his day in court. And in Paul's case, here's what happened. Paul was granted that he, that he could have some freedom and that he could remain under house arrest. And so they put Paul under house arrest. The only problem is that back then they didn't have ankle bracelets that you could wear when you were under house arrest. Um, but, but what they would do is they would take a chain and they would fasten one end of the chain around the prisoner's wrist and then they would take the other end of the chain and they would fasten it uh, around the wrist of a Roman soldier. And that was the ankle bracelet or the arm bracelet, if you will, of, of that day. And so um, uh, in this case, in Paul's case, it, the, the Roman soldier was actually a member of the elite Praetorian Guard. This was Caesar's own bodyguard. And so... Paul would remain perpetually chained to a soldier night and day until his case was heard and his case was decided. And not just any soldier, uh, but uh, the most respected soldier, a member of the elite Praetorian Guard. In fact, I didn't, uh, and I don't want to put him on the spot this morning, but Mr. Faust came dressed in his Marine uniform this morning and the Marines, I hope I don't offend anybody else, but the Marines are sort of elite as well. And so, John, would you mind just standing where you're at, John? Look at John in his uniform. Isn't that outstanding? Sharp. Now, could you imagine, I mean, that's imposing figure, right? <laughs> could you imagine Paul's chained night and day to an elite soldier um, 24 hours a day. Now, the soldier would have been relieved every four hours. 
Every four hours, they would have sent another soldier that had a key that would undo the, the wrist band on the other soldier, and he could go, and then he would lock himself to, to the soldier. So the soldier would be relieved every four hours. But it meant, here's what it meant. It meant that Paul would spend a lot of time with a lot of different soldiers. And that had, that had two obvious consequences uh, for Paul. First of all, Paul learned a lot about Roman soldiers. Paul learned a lot about Roman soldiers. And that becomes obvious, actually, in Paul's letters when you read through the New Testament and you read some of his epistles, especially the ones that are written during this period where he is in prison. Um, he writes a lot using military uh, imagery. I'm sure that the imagery of warfare and the imagery of weaponry that Paul uses as illustrations throughout the New Testament were inspired by his time that he spent connected to these soldiers, looking at their armament and talking with them and spending time with them. So that includes, uh, obviously, the Ephesians chapter 6, which we're all familiar with, where Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And he goes on and he describes the armament. And he's describing the armament of a Roman soldier because he spent a lot of time <laughs> with these guys. It may also include some of Paul's final words that he wrote to his protege, Timothy. And he said to Timothy, you remember, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. I believe, I believe that during that period, Paul had come to respect the loyalty and the hardiness, the commitment and the devotion of those soldiers that were by his side each day. And I think that he was inspired by their example. And because of that, he considered himself to be a soldier in God's army. And no doubt Paul was grateful for the service that these men provided. He was thankful for the protection uh, that they gave to him. Think about this, in fact, the freedom that Paul enjoyed to be able to live on his own in the outskirts of, of Rome rather than being put away in a prison, in a dungeon, the freedom that Paul enjoyed was only possible because of the protection that the soldier guaranteed Paul. For the same reason, for the same reason, we should appreciate and we should honor our veterans. Amen. Because it's only because of them that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. Amen. And for that reason, I believe that we ought to pray for those who have the responsibility before God to safeguard our freedoms and to protect our nation. you agree with that? I'm going to ask you if, if you would. We're going to pause right here, and we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to pray for our country. Amen? Would you just bow your head right now, and let's pray. Father, we're, we are thankful, God, that we live in the most uh, prosperous nation that has ever existed on the face of the earth, God. We're thankful for the freedoms that we have, the things that we enjoy, the, thing, the values that we sometimes, God, we take them for granted. The values that we have as Americans, we're thankful for those things, God. And, and Lord, we just, we want to acknowledge, we want to recognize this morning 
that it's only because of the men and the women who have served in our military that we can enjoy those freedoms. It's because of their sacrifice. It's because of their commitment. It's because of their devotion, Lord, that we have the freedoms that we enjoy. And so, God, once again, we pray blessings upon them, God. And, Father, we pray for all of those that have authority over us. We believe that your word tells us that it's good, that it's proper for us to pray for those that have authority over us. That, God, they might have wisdom, that they might lead us in righteousness, and that, God, they might pursue policies and and, and do things, God, that will secure for us a, a peaceful opportunity, Lord, for us to live. And so, God, we pray for our president. God, we pray for his administration. We pray, God, for our Congress, for senators and for congressmen and congresswomen, Lord. We pray, God, for our judges. We pray, God, for our governor. We pray for our legislature, for our mayor, for our city council. God, all of those that you have placed in authority over us. God, we pray for them, God. We know that the responsibility that is upon them is heavy, God. We pray that you'll help us to remember that, God, the next time we, we are tempted to criticize or condemn them, God. And we pray that instead of opening our mouth to criticize and condemn, that, God, we would open our mouth to bless and to pray for them, God. Father, we need, we need revival in America. But, God, we know that that revival is going to come through the church And so, Lord, teach us to humble ourselves and to pray, to seek your face, God, so that we might experience what you desire to do in our our nation, God. So, Father, we ask that, Lord, you would bless them, bless their families, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the men and women who serve our country? It's because of them that we have the freedom that that we enjoy. Just like Paul, he had the freedom uh, that he had because of the soldier that was watching over him and protecting him. But there was another consequence of Paul's arrangement with the soldier. Not only did Paul learn a lot about Roman soldiers, but listen, (laughs) uh, these Roman soldiers also learned a lot about Jesus Christ. They also learned a lot about, for every, remember I said every four hours they relieved those soldiers, so every four hours... Every four hours, Paul saw a fresh face. (laughs) Every four hours, Paul had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody new that he had never met before. And it's hard to imagine how many soldiers Paul got to speak to one-on-one. I mean, he he had what preachers dream about. He had a captive audience, didn't he? They couldn't go anywhere, (laughs) So it's hard to imagine how many he spoke to one-on-one, but we do have an idea of the kind of impact that Paul made speaking, listen, one-on-one with those soldiers. In his letter to the Philippians, which he wrote during this period when he was in prison or when he was imprisoned, in his letter to the Philippians, he says this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest 
that my imprisonment is for Christ. <laughs> one on one, Paul took the opportunity to each soldier that came his way to share Jesus Christ uh, with them. Now, estimates for the number of soldiers who comprise the whole Imperial Guard are different because numbers aren't reliable and um, there were different divisions in the Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard. There was cavalry and then there was infantry and there were special uh, other divisions as well. And the numbers fluctuate in those divisions based on who was the emperor uh, at the time. So numbers vary, but at least, at least... Uh, 1,500 men, and maybe um, more than 8,000 men had been directly impacted by Paul while he was in prison in Rome. Um, more than, can you imagine, one by one, more than 1,500, eight, maybe 8,000, maybe more than that, because he says the whole Imperial Guard and all the rest, and we don't know who all the rest are, uh, but one by one, Paul told them about Jesus Christ. Now, the latest statistics that I have seen on personal evangelism reveal that 85% of Christians admit that they do not consistently tell others about Jesus Christ. That consistently they don't have conversations with other people about Jesus Christ. In fact, 40, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 54% say that they have not spoken to anyone about Jesus Christ within the past year. So that means, now think about this this morning. So that means that if you were to tell one person per week about Jesus Christ, then you would be a personal evangelism superstar. I mean, you would be Billy Graham if you just told one person per week. And you would do better than the average uh, Christian. But still... Even if you told one person per week about Jesus Christ, you would be a personal evangelism superstar, but it would still take you 29 years to tell 1,500 people about Jesus Christ. The other day, my, my kids were having some fun with me <clears throat> because they were giving me some grief because they estimated that I have probably drunk over 10,000 cups of coffee in my lifetime. <laughs> I said, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day, Dad? And I said, well, I estimated, you know, for them. So they've, they estimated that I've drunk over 10,000 cups of co coffee. And, and actually, I admit to them this morning, I admit to you, that's probably a low number. <laughs> <laughs> probably more than 10,000. Uh, but hey, they're not going to shame me about that. <laughs> I'll own up to it this morning. I own that. I'm proud uh, of that this morning. Um, so I don't feel bad about that. However, here's, here's what I do feel bad about. I do feel bad that I don't talk to more people about Jesus Christ. I feel bad that I don't take more opportunities to tell more people about Jesus Christ. And so I've started praying for more opportunities. God, give me more opportunities to tell more people about Jesus Christ. Now, let me go on record this morning and say, I don't want to go to prison to do that. <laughs> Lord, don't send me to prison. That's not, that's not what I'm asking uh, this morning. The reality is, is that we all have opportunities that we overlook and that we miss every day. 
opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ to somebody, to just tell somebody about something that Jesus Christ has done for you. We all have opportunities. We just, we just need to take advantage of the opportunities that we do have. God sent Paul to Rome to be a witness. Specifically, he said, you're going to stand before Caesar and you're going to bear witness about me to him. Um, but it wasn't just Caesar that Paul got to witness to. He placed him there to be a witness and he witnessed to thousands and thousands of individuals told them about Jesus Christ. God, is, God has placed us where we are. God has placed us in Dunn. God has put you wherever you are, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever God has placed you, wherever God has put you. And first of all, you need to say this, God, I I believe that where I'm at, that where I'm at, God, you're in control. You're in control of my life, and I want to serve you, God, wherever I'm at. Amen? Because you're in control of my life, and I want to trust you just like Paul trusted you. And you told him, we're going to Rome, and he said, okay, I'm in. You get me there, and I'm going. <laughs> we need to have the same attitude and say, Lord, I'm up for whatever you desire for my life, whatever you want to do. And you just get me there. I'll trust in you. And so God has placed you where you're at so that you can be a witness for Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. We're not alone in this, folks. We have brothers and sisters around us. We're all in this together. Can you say amen? We're all in this together. That's why we're gathered together is to encourage one another. And the Bible says to provoke one another to good works and to do what Jesus Christ has called us to do we live listen we live on the greatest nation on the face of this planet how many believe that even, listen all with even with all of our problems and I know we talk sometimes about our problems and our difficulties but listen all of that aside how many know we still live in the greatest nation this world has ever known aren't you thankful for that let's just give God thanks Lord we thank you for that Lord we thank you for the privileges that we enjoy, the freedom that we have, God. So God has given us peace. God has given us prosperity like, like no one else has ever known. I'm thankful for the men and the women who have sacrificed to give us the freedom that we have to worship God the way that God's word tells us that we ought to. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we not this morning we're not hiding out in some, uh, some forest somewhere hoping that we don't get spotted by some state police. Aren't you glad that we have the freedom to gather, to worship, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Thank God for it. Thank God that he's given us that opportunity for the men and the women who have sacrificed to make it so. So we need to be praying for them. We need to pray for our nation so that we can lead, Paul says, quiet and peaceful lives so that we can have the freedom and we can have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ. Wherever we're at, as often as we have opportunity to share Jesus with somebody else. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bow your head. <clears throat> and Mike, would you come to the piano this morning?
Now listen, I'm not here this morning to condemn you or lay a guilt trip on anybody this morning. And I've already told you, I'm, I've been praying, God, I feel bad that I don't share the gospel with more people. I'm, I'm, Father, I feel bad that I don't have more conversations about Jesus Christ. 24 hours a day, Paul was telling people about Jesus Christ. Every four hours, a new face, a new person, <laughs> a new opportunity for him to tell somebody that had never heard about Jesus. I Listen, I want to have that kind of enthusiasm. I want to have that kind of desire that I can say, Lord, if you'll send me people, if you'll put me in situations, if you'll give me opportunities, God, I'm, I want to speak up and I want to tell people about Jesus Christ. I want to tell them about what you've done for me because, God, you've been so good. You've been so good to me. You've forgiven me of my sins, Lord. You've been gracious and kind to me, Lord. And I want to tell others that that's the kind of God that I serve. A God who loves them and has done everything possible to redeem them from the power and the penalty of sin. God, give us that kind of heart, Lord that is constantly looking for opportunities to pray for somebody, to love on somebody, to do good to somebody, to tell them the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.